Hi there, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 179 and today I am having a conversation with my daughter Imogen, a long time unschooler. And we'll be talking about what we've been up to, a bit of family news, what is making us feel excited at the moment, some books that we've been reading, and some things that we've been watching on TV or Netflix. I am sure that we are going to touch on a lot of unschooling thoughts, ideas, as we're having a conversation together. So welcome to my podcast, Imogen. Well, thank you for having me back. It's been a while. I think it's been a while since I've made a podcast episode all up, hasn't it? <laughs> it's been a few months since I last sat down and recorded a podcast. And I'm going to go into that a little bit in a minute. But first of all, perhaps you can introduce yourself, Imogen, just in case we have some new listeners who aren't familiar with you and what you've been doing. I'm fourth in the family. I'm a writer and a musician and the author of three novels. One of them recently released. And so what's that novel called? It's a young adult sci-fi novel called Frost Hands. Now we're going to be talking more about that in a minute. So it's really lovely sitting here with you, Imogen, because I always enjoy talking to you. Now, we went out for breakfast this morning, didn't we? We did, yes. This idea to record a podcast, get back to podcasting, has been at the back of my mind for quite a while. I don't know how many months it is since I last recorded an episode, but I fully intended each week to come back and to share some stories from my unschooling book, Curious Unschoolers, with you. Well, that was the idea. Like some of my ideas, it didn't go as planned. I shared a few of the stories each week for about, I don't know, a month, six weeks, and then life got overtook us, didn't it? We've had a very busy life recently, a lot of things to deal with, haven't we? We have, unfortunately. Yeah, illness, um, a death, oh, COVID, everything, work problems. Life has been, would you say, challenging? I would definitely say it's been quite challenging recently and over the past couple of months, definitely. And I sort of lost all those balloons that I've been holding on to. Some of them floated away. I've been trying to keep up with blogging and my community, but I recognized that I needed to have a break from some things. One of those things was podcasting. But this morning I said to Imogen, look, let's take Gemma Rose to work and then let's get some coffee, sit in the food court and discuss what we could talk about in a podcast. So that's what we did, didn't we? We did. We had a lovely morning. Now, we spent some time talking about uh, passions and interests because that's what I promised to share with you in my next episode. And as we were talking, I sort of realized that Imogen and I have already talked about passions and interests a lot of times, haven't we? We have. I think that's one of our most constant conversations on the podcast. And I said to Imogen, look, what we should really do is promote the episodes that we have already 
I'm done on those subjects, and we should talk about something new. I think talking about something new is more exciting for us, but for long-time listeners, maybe it's more exciting for them as well. What do you think? I think so. I think fresh content, you know, fresh ideas is... You know, they're always appreciated and you can always feel when someone's really excited about what they're talking about. And I think we're excited about what we're going to talk about today. So I'm pretty sure they'll be able to tell that. Yes, I think sometimes going through the motions, talking about what we think we should be talking about, in the end, it comes over as rather lacklustre. It's better when we're excited, isn't it? Yeah, after all, the subject of passions and interests, it'll be there next time if we want it. So. And I think we'll be talking about that anyway while we're talking about other stuff. It'll come up in our conversation, do you think? Absolutely. So we feel like doing something a little bit different. And we hope that you enjoy this conversation and we would appreciate some feedback, wouldn't we? We would. So let us know what you think. Because Imogen has promised that she will join me regularly if everybody would like her to you. Um, on your day off, eh? Yeah, can't think of anything better. So I hope you all enjoy this so I can come back. So yeah, can't think of anything better to do from on your day off from work than head into mum's closet or mum's walk-in robe, sit amongst the clothes and talk about movies and books and other things. I mean, I have a lovely view of shoes right now, so I'm quite happy. <laughs> oh, I always enjoy talking to you, Imogen, whatever we're talking about. Though I'm glad that we're not going to be doing the podcast we first um, planned this morning. We had some extra time out, didn't we? Well, we did. <laughs> probably thought about something different. No, I hope everybody is still out there. What if we're talking to ourselves, Imogen? That's all right as well. We're having a good time. Yes, we enjoy talking with each other. So, first thing on our list, Imogen, shall I have a look? What are we working on? Shall we go into that first? And I'm going to let you go first because you've got the most exciting news. <laughs> well, what I'm working on and what I have been working on is the release of my third book, Frost Hands, which I mentioned earlier. Um, it's the first book in a brand new series, um, a science fiction series rather than fantasy, which is what I've been writing before, which I'm still writing, obviously. But uh, yeah, I'm just really excited to finally have this book out. I think it felt like it was going to take forever. Um, it got derailed a couple of times in the publication process, unfortunately, but it came out two, two and a half weeks ago at the point we're recording this. And yeah, I just absolutely so happy to have it out. So it's on Amazon as print and Kindle. Yes, it is. Now, tell us a little bit about the process of writing this book, because you said that um, you didn't, it was a long process, hey? And it had was. problems along the way, and you, this is the result of a lot of hard work. Yeah, so I think I first wrote this book almost probably six years ago at this point, at the very least. And... It was one of those books that I really loved when I wrote and it went really well when I first wrote it and then it just took a very long time to get it to the next point. Just like writing and rewriting this bit and trying to figure that bit out and just over coming back to it over and over again in between writing different things. But yeah, it, by the time I hit the start of this year, I was like, this, this is going to be the book that I published this year. And then it was going really well and then obviously COVID hit and... Had, had a lot of problems with work in that time and just everything came together and it's like, how am I going to get this book out in time, on, on schedule? And it was almost on schedule. <laughs> I think you did very well. Now, this book, it, it was it an NaNoWriMo book? Yes, it was. I first wrote it um, in a, 
in one of the my first nanoRIMOs actually. So for people who don't know what nanoRIMO is, Imogen, explain. So nanoRIMO is a month-long writing challenge that happens every November. And over the course of November, people try to write a 50,000-word novel in that time. Is it a good way to write your first novel? I think it is. Um, and the reason I think it's really good, especially for first couple of novels, is it forces you to just write and just get something out bec- without thinking too much about it because you can get really bogged down about thinking about, is this perfect? You know, that bit doesn't sound right. And in NaNoWriMo, you don't have time for that. You can't stop and edit and go back and redo your first chapter six times. You've got 50,000 words to write and 30 days to do it in. So you've just got to go like the clappers. Now, we've talked about NaNoWriMo in other podcasts, haven't we? Yes, I'm pretty sure we've talked about it in at least a couple. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes in case anybody wants uh, more information about that rather than go over it all again. Now, one of the things I forgot to say in my introduction, Imogen, is that I'm going to divide this podcast into chapters and we're going, I'm going to insert some pictures, images at various points. So if you'd like to see the cover of Frost Hands, I'm going to put it in and all you have to do, if you're using a podcast app that supports podcast chapters, all you have to do is look down at your phone and you will see the cover of Frost Hands. Now tell us about it, Imogen. So Frost Hands is, uh, it's, it's, as I said, it's a young adult sci-fi novel. It's about teenagers with mutant powers um, and secret agents and exciting, uh, thrilling adventures and trying to chase down a villain and stop them before they create basically the enemy, an enemy of the entire world and create problems for all mutant kind. Now, what I like about your novels, Imogen, regardless of whether you're writing fantasy or science fiction or whatever, is your characters. You always have a, a system that they work to. They are good people. Well, not all the people are. The, the evil ones aren't. And no one's perfect. But a lot of uh, themes come out in your writing, like such as we must help each other, we must do the right thing, or girls, um, some powerful girl characters. Yes. Uh, can you think of any other themes that run through your novels? Um, I, I tend to have a lot of themes of like self-sacrifice and definitely doing the right thing, especially when it's hardest to do that, and sacrificing your own personal good for the good of, of the many, that sort of thing. And doing things out of love rather yes. than doing what you want sometimes. Even sometimes it's very difficult to do what's right sometimes, isn't it? Yes. And sometimes we just have to do what is right and we're motivated by love. Do you agree? Yes. And that's very unschooly, isn't it? Radical unschooling. So what I find is very interesting is all the things that you've picked up during your upbringing are coming out in your novels that I can tell that they've been written by you. Even if you hadn't told me, I could read it and think, um, Imogen wrote that. (laughs) So that's what I like about your novels. They're a good read. They're exciting stories. You get involved in them. But I never get frustrated by thinking, oh, look, that character, I can't, I don't like that character because uh, sometimes uh, characters don't have our same um, 
belief system. I mean, your character, no character, all the characters won't, but the heroes, you can't identify with them because they don't do the right things sometimes. Yeah, you've got to have someone you can really relate to if you're going to spend a long time with them. And I don't think I've ever written a perfect main character, but I've always written one that's trying really hard. And I think everyone can identify with someone who's just trying their absolute best to do the right thing. Especially when they're in a situation where it's like, I have no idea what I'm doing here, but I'm really trying. (laughs) Yes. So tell me about the cover. Oh, I have the most gorgeous cover. Um, It was designed by my sister Charlotte, who is an incredibly talented graphic designer. Um, And if you've ever seen my other two novels, The The Shattering Song and The Crystal Tree, she did the covers for those as well, which I just absolutely loved. It's I've always loved like really simple covers and like dark covers with bright images. So it's a very dark cover with like a leather feel to it. And then just like this beautiful um, frost edging on it and like a big snowflake in the middle to sort of, um, it sort of like symbolizes one of the main characters whose power is frost. Or perhaps people could look down on their phone. Absolutely. And I'll put an image in so they can see that. And hopefully it will inspire them to hop over to Amazon and check your books out. I hope so. So that's what you've been working on. And uh, NaNoWriMo, November's NaNoWriMo month, isn't it? And that yes. is coming up, what, how many days? A couple of weeks? Uh, it's like 17 days max at this point. So, yes, very close. And you're going to be writing another novel d- during NaNoWriMo. Yes, I'm planning to write the sequel to Frost Hands. So. And have you got a working title? A very rough working title. I never have a good one until right before we need it. So, so what's your rough title? <laughs> the rough title is Ember, which obviously not a good title, but it is a title. Because a frost hen started off as snow, didn't it? It did. It's, it was snow for six or so years. So Ember will be Ember for a lot longer, I think. I usually get someone else to help me title it because I can't name things. Oh, yeah, I think you're doing fine. So that's November for you. You're writing that. And as we said earlier, if anybody feels like writing a novel, if that's their dream, go and check out NaNoWriMo. Because it's a good community, isn't it? It is. I've met some of probably my best friends through NaNoWriMo. So a part of some very vibrant and friendly writing communities, um, which I definitely would not have ever become part of if I hadn't done NaNoWriMo. So now on to what I'm working on. And this uh, NaNoWriMo leads into it very well because I've done NaNoWriMo... Uh, three times and I've done Camp NaNoWriMo once. I'm well behind you, Imogen. I think you've done oh, you've done camp, uh, NaNoWriMo ten times. Yeah, this will be my tenth and I've probably done oh anywhere up to anywhere between uh, 14 and 16 Camp NaNoWriMo's as well. So. so you've got lots of draft novels waiting for you to finish. Yes, a lot. <laughs> well, Many years ago, I can't remember how many, I'm a bit embarrassed to say, and I haven't looked, I wrote uh, another children's novel, an angel's family novel, during uh, NaNoWriMo. And it's called The Angels of Convict Way. And every year I say, I should edit that novel and get it finished. And every year I don't. I've already written two Angels novels, um, The Angels of Abbey Creek and The Angels of Gumtree Road. And so this is the third in the series. And I think all the children who read the first two novels have now grown up. 
Certainly everybody has given up on me, I think, think that I will never finish this book. And do you know what I did the other day, Imogen? Tell us what you did the other day. <laughs> I got the manuscript out and I started editing it. Now, the problem is that the first story I knew had lots and lots of problems in it and I had to change it entirely. And that sort of uh, discouraged me from diving into the editing because I knew I'd have to do a, re a big rewrite of the first story before I could get on to anything else. And that seemed like a lot of hard work. Well, I've uh, rewritten that story, but the only trouble is I've decided that I need to have another story in between that story and the next one. And so I'm now writing a completely new story. So I hope I don't get stuck. But how am I going to keep going, Imogen? Well, you're just going to have to keep yourself accountable and keep showing pe people what you're doing. Just keep showing me your stories. I would like to say I have seen the first story. It does exist. <laughs> so for anyone doubting that this is going to happen, it is happening. The other day, Imogen, did I tell you that in my community... I there was a comment from a friend who said that their daughter was reading the one of my angels books for I don't know how many times the 10th time maybe and that really spurred me on to go and have a look at the manuscript for this book I thought somebody's out there that likes my book and I really must uh, finish the, the third one. Do you understand that? How you get a nice comment from somebody and it encourages you. You think it will make a difference if I actually do this. Yeah, there's nothing more motivating than knowing that someone is reading something you've written and likes it. Because sometimes I think, what does it matter if I never finished this book? Nobody will ever know. Nobody cares. You know, it's just something that I would like to do for myself. And that one person who is really enjoying my books, I thought, I will finish this book. So I will. So I'll give you an update next time, Imogen, when we get together and we can see how far I've progressed. We'll get the podcast to keep you accountable. You better have some progress next time we... Oh, I, do you know what I've also done? I've asked her mother, the, the, the child who's reading my book, if she would like to be one of my... Is it beta readers? Yes. And can I send her the stories, the chapters, as I'm writing them? And I think that's a commitment, isn't it? It is, yes. If I know that I've got to put another chapter into the email, if I've got to email it to somebody, if they're waiting for the next uh, installment of the story, I might actually do it. But the other thing that I want to work on, Imogen, and I'm sort of working on it, is a challenges book for unschooling. The, the Big Book of Unschooling Challenges or something like that. I'm not sure of the title. But every week I post an unschooling challenge in our community, unschooling community. And it's the sort of thing that I, I think makes unschooling a reality in our lives. Some way of actually incorporating the principles of unschooling into our, our everyday lives. Some ideas about such things as drawing and maths and writing, uh, some parenting topics. But anyway, I've done quite a few of these unschooling challenges. And as I said, it's supposed to turn unschooling into uh, practical ideas, things that we can actually use in our lives. And I thought that I would gather all these unschooling challenges together and make a book out of them. What do you think about that idea? I think it's a great idea. I think people are always looking for practical ways to, you know, do something. So it's really good reading about something in theory, but, but then I know a lot of people sit there and go, well, that's great, but how do I do that? 
And having the book of challenges, which are very practical, will give people just such a, a really good way of getting into unschooling and understanding how you can unschool. Yes. Well, I posted one the other day in the community about homeschool record keeping. How do we uh, turn our unschooling learning into homeschool records that an educational department will recognise? Because they want things in uh, like labelled maths, English, science. They have a particular language they need you to fit yourself into. That's right. So I've given some examples and we're talking about how we can uh, change, uh, change, you know, so translate unschooling into the right educational language. The other day I also posted a challenge about how we can what we can use to capture those unschooling learning experiences like photos and audio and video and screenshots of things like Google Maps, uh, things like that, to give people ideas about how, um, yeah, we can have something to show people from the educational department when registration time comes around. But I'm not just doing um, homeschool registration. Like we had a challenge for maths, can we spot everyday maths because I think sometimes we think real life maths is just cooking. Yes, people get very stuck on the idea that that unschooled maths can only be cooking and there's a lot of other examples of that out in the world. You use maths everywhere so you just got to be able to find it. That's right. So I'm writing the challenges and then I want to have a story to go with each challenge to show it in action, some examples. So I've got a lot of raw material for this book. I just need to open up a Scrivener, um, what do you call it? A Scrivener project and put yeah. it all in. That's right. Start the chapters, put each one in, and then I can see what additional material I will need to actually make this into a book. But I've got quite a lot of challenges already. So that's the things that I'm working on, Imogen. So shall we move on to our next question, our next section of the podcast? Yes, let's do that. What are we excited about at the moment? So you go first. So what I'm excited about at the moment is I'm going back to working on some music. And some people might know that a couple of years ago, I used to make music videos on my YouTube channel. And I covered quite a few songs. Um, and I, we had a really good time doing it. Um, I'd record and arrange all the music and then we'd go out early in the morning and film a video, put it all together, upload it to YouTube and it was just a, a good bit of fun. But at some point I realised that I was struggling to do that and writing at the same time and I decided, well, one of these is going to have to take a back seat at the moment and it wasn't going to be writing so it had to be music. But I've reached the point again where I think I can take something else on and I've really missed doing music. I'm not doing a lot of other music at the moment. Obviously, nobody's doing much singing anywhere. Um, it's sad that we're not allowed to sing, isn't it? We go to church and the only person who's allowed to sing is the cantor, which <laughs> so happens sometimes to be you. Yeah, one, <laughs> one Sunday a month I get to, I, I get to go up there and, and be the only person singing in the church, which is lovely for me, but I don't think everyone else is enjoying it quite as much. But I think that's an important role you're playing because we're not allowed to sing, but you're singing bring something extra to Mass. Because the last time you were singing, I went to Mass with you. And afterwards, quite a few people came up to you and thanked you for your singing, didn't they? They did. And I think that people are missing music. And you did uh, give them something that 
it's not common anymore. We we're not allowed to sing. You know, it's it's a special role that you're playing. So yes, but tell me how you got back to the idea of doing music videos again. Is it in the, at the back of your mind? You said that you felt you feel that you can take something extra on at the moment. So you've been missing it. I have been missing it, um, but again, I, for quite a while it was like I miss doing this, but I just don't have the time to do it and. I think it was during one of these times when I'd just been singing at mass um, and, well, you actually said, you know, you should be doing something, you should be doing something with music because you can sing and, you know, you should be sharing it some way. And it's like, well, I don't have many ways of doing it at that at the moment. But one thing I could do is I could go back to making some music videos Maybe not as many as I was, maybe not as regularly, but just working on something, making one every now and then just to, you know, have a bit of fun, keep my skills sharp, learn something new. I think that we all have talents that we should share with other people. Do you agree? Yeah. And when I was listening to you singing in the church that day, I was thinking that you have a talent for singing and that you can make a difference to other people's lives by using that talent. And we all have talents that we could share, whether it's a talent for being kind and observant, listening, whether it's art or writing or music, little talents and big talents. And if we don't use them, we can't uh, make a difference to other people's lives with them. We can't keep our talents to ourselves, can we? No, we've got to use them somehow. Exactly. And there's a time and place for all things, but it would be such a waste if we weren't, if we were too afraid to use our talents. I've been thinking about that. We sometimes don't want to use our talents because it puts us out there. People might criticize, whatever. And it sometimes feels safer to keep our talents to ourselves. Do you agree with that one? Yeah, there's always that fear of being judged and not being good enough at something, something that you really enjoy. So there's always that temptation to go, oh, this is just for me. The other thing I was thinking about, Imogen, was that I used to enjoy music videos immensely, making them. Yeah, all those mornings that we got up, even the really cold mornings, and we went out to a location in the dark and we got there just as the sun was rising and you would sing and we would help you and Sophie would do the videography and I would take the behind-the-scenes photos. And it was just magical, wasn't it? It was. That time of morning, even on the frosty days and the misty days, we were doing something adventurous that nobody else was doing and we were doing it together and it wasn't always easy, but didn't it uh, really draw us close together? We were a team. We were. And the team is broken up. We'll tell you about that in a minute. But sometimes I miss that so much. I want to go back in time to do it again. And I was thinking... Do I want you to go back to music videos because of myself, because I want you to, so I can enjoy it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, let's see, at least someone wants them. <laughs> but I want to be sure that you want to do this, that I'm not twisting your arm and saying, Imogen, um, twisting your arm, and then you're thinking, I have to please my mother because she really loves doing this. <laughs> well, it's going to be a bit of a different music video anyway because we don't have the whole team working on it anymore, so a bit more limited in what we can do. But I think when it comes to music, I mostly just do do it for me. Like you've, you've said a lot of times, oh, I wish we could go back to do music videos, and I've never done it before. 
But now I think is the time when I, I want to do it and it's right, the right time for me to give it a go again. So I'm pretty sure I'm doing it for me this time, not you. Let's still enjoy it. <laughs> you can get something out of it too. Well, let's briefly tell everybody why the team has been broken up. Oh, well, we've lost, we've lost our videographer. She's gone. Sophie's moved out of home and she is now living seven, eight hours away. Eight hours. We can't drive it up there without a break. It takes, with the break, it takes eight hours. It's very inconvenient of her to have left home. Do you not agree? Yes, we're, we're most put out about this. How could she have gone so far away from us? Who am I going to call when I have a photography editing problem? You'll, you'll have to learn how to how to do screen share and ring her up and be like, Sophie, look at this thing on my screen. I need you to tell me what I've done wrong. Yeah, she did say I could do that. But the other thing is I could learn to do it myself. And I guess that's an unschooling idea as well, isn't it? That we don't learn until we have a need. And I haven't learned how to edit my photos 100%. I've learned a lot about it. But I've always relied on Sophie for the fine tuning. What's wrong with this, Sophie? I've got this far with the editing but it's not quite right could you fix it up for me but I can't do that anymore <laughs> so now I'm learning more about photo editing and I've been doing some Skillshare courses on Lightroom I thought I knew Lightroom but I really only knew it because I had um, Sophie's input as well she did all the the difficult bits so that's something I've been learning to do but yes she has left home she's got a job hasn't she uh, in a small country town eight hours north of us. It so happens to be the country town where brother Callum lives. So she's going to be managing a cafe, isn't she? Yes, she's very excited about that fact. (laughs) A new adventure for her. Yes, it's just um, inconvenient that she's so far away. I'm very happy for her because I think she's having a wonderful time up there. Oh, yes, we absolutely joke about it being um, being inconvenient, her being so far away, because we are very pleased for her, but we, we are missing her. And we're missing her, even though she's on the phone or texting us every day. Sending me pictures of whatever she's seeing, which is always lovely to keep up with her life up there. So, um, yeah, technology is good for keeping us in contact, isn't it? It is. It's very good. So, I mean, technology is going to be good for your music too, isn't it? Would you like to just quickly tell us what your plans for your music videos? If we're not going to be going out, well, I would like to go out on location occasionally. and I probably will, but it... It just, I don't think we have the capacity at the moment to do quite as complicated things as we were doing before. We had a whole um, gimbal set up so we could do moving shots. We had, you know, multiple cameras. Sophie did amazing editing on all the videos and such. And, you know, good as we all are, we don't have her same set of skills and we don't quite have the same amount of time all the time. So doing some that are a bit simpler, you know, maybe just one static camera or a live video every now and then just you know something to let us play around but also go out sometimes and do a full video but just you know because you don't want it to become a burden on everybody but you want to be able to have a good time at the same time I think that we could learn about green screening that might be fun (laughs) that would be fun you could do you could do so much with that and what do you think about the idea of preparing a few songs ahead of time and then catching a plane up to Sophie and spending some time with her and she could uh, show you a few of the new locations up there that you've that will be very different from what uh, we've been doing in the past because their area is very different from home isn't it it is we're very we've got lots of hills and mountains and and lots and lots of bush 
and they're very flat and open plains. You can just see for miles everywhere. It's a completely different place. It'd be very nice to do a video or two up there one day. So you think that might be a possibility? It might be a possibility. A working holiday. Hmm. Do you remember when we went to Swan Lake on holiday? We went to the beach and we did a couple of videos while we were away because we wanted to take advantage of the location because we don't live near a beach. So we wanted to do one on the beach. And Do you remember did, that? Yes, we did one at the beach house. I think we did two on two that time. And we did the extra one in the garden of the beach house, the family one? Yes. So that was fun, wasn't it? Doing a bit of video making while we were on holiday. Uh, taking advantage of the new locations. So that all sounds very exciting, Imogen. So shall I tell you what I'm excited about? I think so. I think people would like to know that and I would like to know. You're not going to believe this. <laughs> I'm excited about exercise. What? <laughs> I get up every morning thinking I can't wait to exercise. That doesn't sound like you. <laughs> no. Well, over the last oh, six months maybe, I've been really struggling with exercise, especially over the winter. People might know that I'm a runner. And I had to run by myself over the winter. Again, no team. The team has gone. They've <laughs> abandoned me. We used to all go running together, didn't we? We did. We did that for quite a few years. And then one by one, everybody sort of dropped off. To go to work or um, Imogen, I'm not Imogen, Sophie. You're Imogen. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie then decided that she'd like to go to the gym rather than run. And oh, I was left alone and going out over the winter in the cold by myself early in the morning was not very attractive. So many times, Imogen, I made an excuse I can't go out and I sort of just kept in touch with it. Go out twice this week, once the next, three times the next, but I didn't run out the door with excitement thinking, I'm really looking forward to my run. I just did enough not to lose touch with my fitness. And I really felt like I had to do it, that uh, just because it's hard, doesn't mean that I shouldn't do it, that I should make myself really tough by, I'm tough enough to go out there and run by myself in the freezing cold. And I lost my um, enjoyment of running. And I think that sometimes we do that, don't we? We feel that we have to do tough things. It's good for us. And we don't, even if we don't enjoy it, we've got to make ourselves do it. Persevere because it's good for us. <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that opinion a few places. Oh, well, you hear it a lot for <laughs> homeschooling, don't you? Yes, got to make your kids do tough things. Because it's good for them. If they're enjoying it, it uh, must be easy. And kids have to do things that they don't want to do, things that are difficult because it's good for them. Because nobody would ever choose to do something that was difficult purely because they enjoy it. <laughs> Says the person who takes six years to write a book because writing a book is hard. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we've done a lot of difficult things. Even getting up in the morning to go make those music videos, standing there in the freezing cold. I can remember two times we went out and I think someone literally got hypothermia once. Oh, well, that was me and Sophie. It, it, we suffered a lot for those videos, but just didn't didn't mean we didn't enjoy ourselves and that we weren't pleased, well, I'll say pleased to do it. We did it for you and... <laughs> The breakfast afterwards was always a good reward, wasn't it? Pretty much. If you want us to do something, just bribe us with food because we'll always do it. We'll be right there. Right. So kids will do difficult things, won't they? They will. And even when we do things that we enjoy, we, can, we are prepared to work hard. Yes. And kids do not need to be forced to do difficult things they hate as preparation for life. No, I don't think people default to wanting to do easy things and liking things because they're easy. Um, 
you know, people are interested in things just because they're interesting. And if they have to work really hard at them, then that's just part of being interested in that. It doesn't mean that they're not going to do it. Well, I haven't exactly told you what exercise I'm doing, so shall I get on to that? Yes, I think you should share. Well, I was doing some Googling about workouts. I thought maybe I could do some YouTube workouts instead of running in the morning by myself. And Sophie has written a lot of exercise programs, hasn't she? She has, as as our resident, almost qualified personal trainer. She's, um... She's finished all the work. She just has to get the certificates now. And she has put me, pointed me in the right direction for some YouTube workouts, some Pilates ones, some what the ones on Fitness Blender. And I've tried them all, but they never sort of, I never persisted with them. I didn't enjoy them enough. But I thought maybe there's something else out there. Well, I found something that I'm very excited about. And that is Walk at Home. And originally, I didn't want to know about them because I thought walking, that's old lady stuff. <laughs> you know, do you understand that, Imogen? Old ladies do this gentle exercise with just a stepping because it's, it's good for their, for their poor old bones. And I'm not that old. Well, I am, but there we go. <laughs> but I'm a runner. And I might be getting older, but I can run. You know, and you get so proud of the fact I can do this. And I thought, walking. Walking's beneath me. I'm not going to give in too early. I'm going to continue running. I don't want to walk. Well, for some reason, I did have a look at them. And it looks so much fun. You've had a look at them too, haven't you? I have, yes. I have tried a couple. And it's not all people walking. <laughs> no, it's like it's, it's a very good aerobic style workout. It, it might say walk, but let's just say the walking is the least of what you're doing. <laughs> it's a whole body workout and you can challenge yourself by putting in, like you can jog instead of walk. You, there's all sorts of different movements, aren't there? There are. And they go fast and they go slower. It, it's a challenge. You definitely end the workout sweating. And you feel that your whole body gets a good workout. And that's the thing I need is that running, I've got nice, strong lower legs. But my arms, never they just come along for the ride. My middle gets a little bit of a workout if I run up hills. But I need some strength. And I don't want to sit there in the gym doing weights. And this is fantastic. And it's very varied, isn't it? It is, yes. Sometimes she works with resistance bands, sometimes with hand weights, sometimes with, um, what else does she have? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, there's different workouts for diff- um, different pieces of equipment she's using that she incorporates into her walk workouts and some of them are very long. I haven't done any of the five mile ones yet. I feel like maybe you need to build up to that one. <laughs> I've done the set a day aside. Three miles is almost 5k. That's okay. And I don't think that I'm losing my cardio fitness. So I, I'm looking forward to going, continuing running. If I feel like a run, I'm going to go out and run. But I'm going to go out and run because I want to and because I'm enjoying it, not because I feel I have to get out there on a cold morning and put myself through it. Yeah. You see the difference? I want to regain my love of running. I don't feel, want to feel like it's so hard and uh, that it takes the edge off your enjoyment. So that's what I'm doing. And I've subscribed to an app. Each month, I think it's about eight US dollars, which is eleven dollars something in Australian, which will probably be more very soon because the exchange rate keeps it's, changing and it, <laughs> the exchange rate is terrible. <laughs> yes, but for that eleven dollars something, I get access to all the videos that they've ever made, and I've got the app on my iPad and I set myself up with my wireless headphones, turn the music up loud. 
every single day I've done a different workout and I think that's helping. So if you feel like exercising, would you recommend them, Imogen, after trying them? I would. And as someone in the age group that would definitely look at the walk at home exercise and go, that's stupid, that's for old people. No, no, it's not. I, I guarantee that if you if you try one of those, you will actually get a really good workout. But if you're a, a beginner... You can modify everything. Yeah, it's it's a really accessible way of doing it. You can do it to your own level, no matter what. So you have the whole, what I love is you have the whole library, and every single video is one that you could potentially do, no matter if this is if it's like the first time you've ever worked out, because the, this you have always got the same basic steps, um, and you can always drop it down to your level or push it harder if you're ready for more challenge. And if you find that some sections is too much for you, you can just walk in place until you've got your breath back and all that so you can keep on going. And I think that's encouraging, isn't it? She's a lovely lady, Leslie Sansom, who's the main um, presenter. She's the, uh, what would you call it, Imogen? She, she created these workouts, so she has some other trainers who have done a few videos, but she's the main person. Very encouraging. I think that she would make a very good unschooler. Did you think? I think so. She's um, very different from most other trainers that you get um, in all your exercise videos or even when you go to the gym because I used to do gym classes with a proper trainer and what I what I've really enjoyed about the walk at home um, sessions that I've done is the fact that no matter what you're doing she's very she's encouraging and like she's not she's not going to tell you that you're not doing enough. I've done a lot of recorded workouts with like, push, feel the burn, give me some more. And you're sitting there going, I have given you 110%. I have nothing left. I'm melting into a puddle on the floor. Please stop. And then you don't want to get, come back next time because she's overworked you. Exactly. Whereas because she's very encouraging, it's like, yeah, I am doing well. I could do a little bit better. I could push a little bit harder. I could do another mile. And so relating that to unschooling. We should encourage our kids in their learning, shouldn't we? Oh, and yeah, absolutely. Not criticise, not push them too far, but focus on what they're doing, which the positives, rather than on the negatives. And don't uh, go overboard with, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. You're not doing enough. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's time to move on, Imogen, to our next uh, question, looking at the time where going to be talking for quite a while but I'm going to put this into chapters and if people want to come back to a chapter it will be easy to find the bits that you didn't have time to listen to the first time and as I said it will be easy to pass over segments that you're not interested in so I'm not too worried about the time I think that people could watch listen just to the bits they want yeah and if you're interested in books, keep listening because we're going to be talking about a couple of books that we've enjoyed recently. Well, I'm interested in books. This is, this is good for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Do you want to go first or shall I? Uh, you go first. I've been first before. All right, then, but it's all to do with you. <laughs> Imogen has been buying me novels. Now... Paper ones, you know, real books. It's been such a pleasure, hasn't it? We've been browsing since COVID and our library was closed for a while and our local library is still closed. We've been going down to the department store. We don't have a big bookshop close by, do we? But we've been making do with what the, the book section in our small department store. And that's enough. We've been browsing the books and we've been coming back with books for each other, haven't we? We have. Looking at all the covers and the blurbs 
And Imogen has been surprising me with her choice of books. She's been coming back with what she thinks I might enjoy reading. And that has been so lovely because I've been introduced to some books that maybe I wouldn't have thought of reading. And it's really lovely to get an unexpected gift as well, isn't it? (laughs) Instead of bringing each other a bar of chocolate, we've been buying each other books. Feed your brain, not your belly. (laughs) Yes. And we're getting quite a pile of books, aren't we? Here, there's the Shelves are overflowing and we've got piles on the floor and we we talk books and we lend them to each other and it's glorious, isn't it? It is. Now, I was feeling guilty at first, Imogen, because some of the books that you bought me, I didn't enjoy 100%. And when you said, did you enjoy that book, Mum? And I felt like, should I just say, oh, it was a wonderful book. And then I thought, no, I'll be honest. I said, I enjoyed reading the book very much, but I think there was a plot hole in it. (laughs) Or I didn't like this. And... We have decided, after talking about this, that it's okay not to enjoy a book 100%, isn't it? Absolutely. Because sometimes not enjoying a book is more enjoyable than reading a book that you did enjoy. You can have such a good conversation about what you thought didn't work for you in it. And especially as writers... We like to pick books apart, the structure. We like the structure or we felt feel that this bit didn't work or we've learnt a new idea that we'd like to try out ourselves, that type of thing, isn't yeah. it? So I could go, I mean, there's loads of books I could have chosen, but I'm going to choose to talk about uh, Kate Merton's books. You've bought me three, haven't you? Four? Three. Three. Reaching down to the floor to get the one I want to talk about today is called The Lake House. And I'm reading The Clockmaker's Daughter at the moment. And I have I read just one or two others. You also read The, um, the Secret Garden or The Hidden yeah. Garden? Se- uh, Hidden Garden. Yeah. I think there was one more. No, it's only been three. All right. Only three. Feels like more. <laughs> I bought them. I know. <laughs> well, Kate Morton has written... Quite a few books. That's only a small selection of the books that she has written. She's an Australian author, and you haven't read any of them, Imogen, so you can't describe them. But uh, um, what would I say about them? They're thick. They're a good read. You probably want to keep turning the pages. They're probably good books for sitting down on a cosy afternoon with a cup of coffee or reading in bed. They're books that are escapism. You, You know, you can just... Uh, what's, uh, just disappear into another world, hey? Yes. But they're not too serious, so that if you just want to uh, enjoy a story, but that doesn't mean that they're flimsy or quick reads as such. They're not romantic, um, you know, what, what do you call them? Uh, they're not formula-type books. No. Though she does have her own way of writing. I like her settings. She writes a lot about Cornwall in England And some of her books sort of flip between Australia and Cornwall. Uh, There's nice elements in them. Uh, For example, she writes about old houses. You know, some places that you can imagine in your, that you think, oh, I'd love to visit a house like that. I'd like to live in a house like that, uh, somewhere that has secrets and is a bit different from what we experience. And the scenery she describes... uh, and she flips between times and characters. So she goes from a character maybe in the nine, early 1900s to present day, another character, an ancestor maybe. And all the time she's filling in the story. And there's always a mystery. So, yeah, it's just a good read, I think. 
Oh, I guess the most we get out of Imogen is talking about the plot. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, after reading one of her books, I think it was A Hidden Garden, and it's set in a house that's on the cliff on the uh, in Cornwall. And I remember my parents taking me to a house on the cliff in Cornwall on a holiday when I was a teenager. And this brought back lots of memories of my childhood or my teenage years. And I went searching for that house online because now we've got Google Maps, don't we? And you got you can I hoped to locate that particular house that we'd stayed in during that holiday. I couldn't find it. My mother says the house was next to the church in this particular village, but even in zooming in on Google Maps I couldn't quite locate it. And I've decided either the house has been modified or it's no longer a guest house, whatever, but I couldn't find it. But it brought back a lot of memories of holidays. And oh, the stories are just full of things like smugglers and sort of adult, um, oh, fantasy, not fantasy, but you know, you know when children read books and they want to be the character in the book. Yes. They want to live in that house. They want to have adventures like those children and sort of immerse yourself into someone else's life, which is very different from your own. So yeah, I enjoyed that. I'm enjoying Kate Merton's books very much, even though they're not very serious. They're just a good read. So nothing particularly wrong about them, even though we fa- I found a plot hole. <laughs> but that was my opinion. If there's a plot hole there, I, I can assure you she'll find it. <laughs> All right, Imogen, on to your book. What I'm reading at the moment is I'm going back and actually rereading The Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Mayer. Um, and I read them quite a long time ago, and then we bought some copies and I finished reading them. There's four books in the series plus I think a prequel book and I'm on to the second book now Scarlet and they're each book in the series is a science fiction retelling of a different classic fairy tale so the first book Cinder is the um is a retelling of Cinderella except Cinderella happens to be a a mechanic who's also a cyborg who, instead of losing a glass slipper, uh, her robotic foot falls off. And also there may be an (laughs) alien plague and the end of the world. And, yeah, so very science fiction but very, very um, fairy tale at the same time. It's just such a good twist on it. Um, Scarlet, which I'm reading now, is a retelling of Little Red Riding Hood. And then there's um, Cress, which is a retelling of Rapunzel, and Winter, which I think is a retelling of Snow White. Although, to be fair, my memory is like a leaky sieve, and I actually can't remember anything I read in that book, which is the whole reason I'm rereading the series, because <laughs> I I can remember I read the book, and that's exactly it. <laughs> so you probably enjoy it more the second time round. Well, that's what I thought. I've, I've decided that not being able to remember the books very well, even though I loved them, means that I get to read them as if they were new again. So as if it's the first time I read it, which I think is actually a benefit. Now, I started reading one of those Lunar Chronicles books, Imogen, but you didn't have the first one or the second one, and I dived in in the middle of the series, and I was so lost. Yet there were a lot of characters in that one. You really needed to sit to read the first couple. So I haven't read them. I should go back to the very beginning. Now we've got all of them and start again. But who would you recommend the books for? Um, I definitely recommend them mainly for teenagers. They're written for teenagers. However... Young adult? Definitely sort of young adults. So you're looking at probably mid to older teens. And obviously, I'm in my 20s. So people in their 20s are definitely going to read it. But they're 
they're not just like light, fluffy reads or anything. Not that I'm suggesting that young adult books are light and fluffy. As a writer of young adult, I would never say that. But they've got a lot of substance to them as well. Like they they do deal with, you know, slightly deeper issues and ideas. And I think that, you know, adults will are actually, you know, they'd enjoy them as well. So I reckon you'd enjoy them. Okay. If, if you started from the beginning. All right. Well, I'll add them to my pile. My pile of books is huge. Not as big as mine. I'm reading a lot slower than mum is. And my pile is, I don't want to think about how big it is right now. <laughs> this year, I have read a lot of books. I'm going to have to count them up. But it's been a big reading year for me. And I think a lot of that, of that has got to do with COVID. And it's a bit of escapism as well from life is very difficult. Well, it has been. And it. There are moments when you just want to forget the world, don't you? Yes. And I've escaped into a lot of books, but also there's no social life anymore. (laughs) And we spend a lot of time at home, so I've been reading. And also, reading is good for us, isn't it? It gives us ideas about our own writing. Yes. I've been making time for it. So, yes, my pile of books is huge, and we keep adding to them, don't we? We keep (laughs) buying new books. But can I briefly uh, put forward the idea that having a big library of unread books is good. We shouldn't feel guilty, should we, about adding another book to our pile. We shouldn't say, look, I've bought so many Kindle books that I've never read. I should not buy any more. And then we feel guilty if we do that, don't we? Yes. And we think, what a waste of money. We're never reading them. But here's another idea, Imogen. What if our unread libraries are very valuable? Now, I was reading somewhere that when we have a, a library of read books, we've read them all. It's not as valuable as a library of unread books because we've still got those ones to enjoy. We've still got them to dip into, to get new ideas from, new enjoyment. We've done with the other books, haven't we? We've already got most of the value that we're going to get out of them. Unless, of course, you can't remember what the book was about like you did (laughs) and you have to read them again. But the amount of books that we read and we never read again, that's huge, isn't it? It is. And so we've done those ones. It's the unread ones that are exciting that we're anticipating and the more that we have of them surround ourselves by them the more exciting reading is isn't it it's a library that's just full of potential it is and we don't always want to read a particular book at a particular time but if it's there waiting for the right moment yes uh that's really wonderful isn't it right imogen we've nearly oh look we've coming up to an hour soon but we've got one more section that i want to talk about and that's what we're watching Can we continue on to this, do you reckon? Oh, I think we can. Now, don't forget that I'll put some images of the Lunar Chronicles. And what did my book was? The Lake Lake House. I'll put those into the podcast chapters. And now maybe we'll have an image of MasterChef. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we have been watching rather a lot of MasterChef recently. I think we've been overdosing on it. It was our COVID thing, wasn't it? Right back in March when we couldn't go anywhere and we were all home and nobody was working, uh, we entertained ourselves in the evening by watching MasterChef, gathered as a family. And we'd only discovered MasterChef this year, didn't we? We did, yes. And there are 12 Australian series of it and numerous other US ones and UK ones and junior ones. And... So far, what have we, we've watched about four series of Australian. Yeah, we're into our fourth season, so I think we're watching season nine at the moment. We're going backwards. <laughs> we've been all over the place. But, uh, yeah, we hadn't actually got into it until this year. 
And but just recently, Imogen, I've been thinking I want to change. Not because I'm fed up with MasterChef, but I'm fed up with the association. This was our COVID thing that we were doing. And I said, well, will we run out of episodes before COVID um, is no longer? Or will it still be going when we're still watching? And we've watched rather a lot of episodes and COVID is still here. So it's getting a little depressing. It is. So maybe uh, I have this idea in the back of my head. If we move on, maybe COVID will move on as well. We can come back fresh to it later. <laughs> yes. It's just got a bit of an association for us at the moment, hasn't it? But that doesn't mean we haven't enjoyed what we've watched. No, and we- it's been a very good show. Do you think we've learnt a lot? I think we have. I think um, one of the things I think that uh, we've enjoyed the most about MasterChef is just the fact that it's like good, wholesome TV because you get a lot of cooking shows where it's all drama and there's lots of, you know, rivalries between people. And instead with this one, it's just people who love to cook, who have come to cook and to follow their passions and their dreams. And they're not being pitted against each other as rivals and they're not not, um, building up this whole storyline of these two people vying for top spot or whatever. It's just 24 people show up and they all desperately want to be cooks and they love food and they're really passionate about what they're doing and they're going out on a limb to try this and it's just it's just so much fun and I think that they become close as as the competition goes they become closer together don't we they like a family and I think a lot of that's to do with when we share passions with other people it's wonderful isn't it yes it's like when we go to uh a race, you know, a running race. We've been to a few of those and you see all the runners up at the start line and they're all passionate about running and they all everybody understands each other's passion because it's the same passion, don't yes. they? And it's sort of um oh friendships with people you don't even know. You you, you understand that? You look at someone you're like I have something in common with you. Yes, we're all sharing the same passion. And that's, I think, comes over in MasterChef, yes? Yes. I think some of my favourite moments have been when someone's trying something new and they're like, oh, yeah, such and such taught me that back at the house. And they're trying out a technique or a recipe that one of the other contestants um, taught them. Yes. But we've been doing a lot of Googling while we've been watching, haven't we? Oh, yes. Do you remember <laughs> when we Googled aquafaba? Yes, my my favorite fact about that is, you know that goo that comes in the can with the chickpeas? You can make that into meringues and it actually <laughs> tastes really nice. Well, we don't know it tastes nice because we haven't tried it, but they say it tastes nice. MasterChef told me, and I believe MasterChef implicitly, they well, will never lie. Well, I did some Googling about that and some people say that we shouldn't use it because chemicals from the can leak into it. But it depends on who you believe. Yes, yeah, so considering the amount of other canned food that we eat, I would you would have to give up eating all canned food if you're worried about that and we eat an awful lot of it. Who wants to give up that many baked beans? <laughs> I guess I didn't think about that. <laughs> but anyway, MasterChef has also been a great source of blog post ideas. I've written quite a few blog posts about it <laughs> because we had such fun watching it and we've learnt a lot and there's always some lesson, isn't there, that some idea that you want to, you know, you get ideas from writing from all sorts of sources, don't you? Yes. And MasterChef has given me lots of writing ideas. And one I just want to share today, Imogen, is, do you remember that contestant? We won't name him, but he... His parents wanted him to go to university. They valued academic success 
And so he went to university and did a good degree to please his parents. But his heart was in cooking. And eventually he applied to MasterChef and got into the competition. And he was really happy doing that, wasn't he? And I remember his dish was being judged by a guest judge and they were talking about his ambitions, his dreams, what he wanted to do. And he was telling them about how he had tried to please his parents, but what he really wanted to do was cook. And the guest judge said she understood uh, his position because she used to be in that situation herself. Her parents valued something different from her. And she told him that everybody's happiness depends upon themselves and he had to do what made him happy. And that sort of led me to the idea that we all want kids to be happy, don't we? We do. We, we want to be happy. And what makes kids happy, they should be allowed to do. Now, kids can either go and do what makes them happy and disappoint their parents, or they can do what their parents want them to do and not be happy. Or they can do what makes them happy and their parents can support and encourage them. Yes. Yes, and that's the ideal situation. Because ultimately that happiness is what we want for our kids. Yeah, let go of our own ideas. It doesn't matter if our kids don't do what we think they should do. They should be allowed to follow their dreams. And that really struck home with me that he was following his dreams and I hope his parents were proud of him and happy for him. I like to think that they were. It was a lovely story, wasn't it? Was. It was. So our kids might choose to be to do something that makes them happy, I hope that our kids will do that, but their happiness won't be tainted by the fact that their parents might be disappointed in them, that they are allowed to be happy fully, 100% happy. And they are happy if we we have the opportunity to to accept them, don't we, and to encourage and support. Mm. Well, you're not a parent, but, <laughs> but you feel I've done that with you? I feel that. Okay, that's good. That's one idea I got from MasterChef, but I've got others as well. Okay, Imogen, one more thing. Your choice. Ah, so the other show we've been watching an awful lot of recently was um, a very recent discovery for us is The Masked Singer, which is probably the most ridiculous idea for a show that I think I've ever heard. Um, You get, I think it's 16 or so celebrities and they all wear these enormous costumes with the most ridiculous ridiculous masks on and you and you don't know who they are and they come out and perform and you have to try and figure out who they are uh, by their voice and, and a very sketchy clue package that they'll that they'll give you at the beginning and it sounds really dumb and it's actually really good and like really fun well we we sort of were very ten, tentatively turned it on didn't we we did we thought we looked at all the ads because the ads kept coming up during MasterChef, didn't they? Yeah, it kept interrupting our MasterChef viewing. How dare. I mean, we watch the ads with the sound muted, don't we? <laughs> this is our game. We turn the sound off for all the ads and then we try and guess what the ads are about. It entertains us while we're waiting for the ads to um, disappear. But, you know, we're a bit strange like that, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> we sometimes we, uh, we... Sometimes I don't know if we get the ads right, Imogen. But we, we try and work out what they're about. We get some great interpretations. <laughs> it's good fun. Um, but anyway, master, the must singer came up in all the ads. And we always saw with the costumes, didn't we? And we thought, oh, look, this is a ridiculous idea. And we kept discussing it. And then one day I said, oh, look, let's watch just one episode. 
So we watched one episode and we got to the end and we said, that's it. That's enough. We're not going to watch any more. But somehow we came back and watched an episode two, didn't we? And then we got hooked. Three seasons later, we're still there. <laughs> so we've watched uh, what two Australian series, one UK series. Yes, and we started season four of the US series, but they're not giving it to us very fast in Australia. So what? we're not very pleased. <laughs> yeah, you want to have binge watch them all and see who wins. <laughs> so... I have a thought about that, Imogen, an unschooling thought. Now, some people might say that The Masked Singer isn't very serious, it's nothing valuable about it, it's just rubbish. Charlotte Mason might have called it twonk. <laughs> I do love that word, though. <laughs> we shouldn't waste our time um, watching these things. There's a whole lot better things we could be watching. We could watch Charles Dickens or Shakespeare or Jane Austen, all of which we enjoy. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those, but we should stick to that instead of watching Twonk. Come on, give me your opinion. Um, Well, firstly, I'd like to say that Twonk is a fantastic word. And secondly, I don't think that Masked Singer actually is Twonk. I mean, it might look like trashy TV to start with, (laughs) but I don't believe that it is. In fact, I think that we've learned an awful lot about not particularly about the celebrities because we're really not good at guessing celebrities, but just we've learned a lot about people in general through the show. I think it's really strange that we're non-celebrity type people. We ha- we don't know anybody because we don't read the celebrity stuff. We're not up on all these latest things, but we still enjoy the show. Yes, I think our record is exactly one celebrity. We've guessed one. Yeah, and actually that wasn't us. That was Dad. <laughs> and we just we just rode on the coattails of his glory forever. Now, I think that what's good about it is we all gather together and we all enjoy it. We talk all the way through it. It's fun. It connects us together. But what about it? What else? I think it also, um, just from watching it, you can, like, it It shows you that the, that, um, the people who are the best known aren't always the ones with the, with the greatest talent. Like, you could, you could be watching someone and go, this person can't sing, and actually... They're a professional singer, and that could sound like that could sound very um, negative. Like, oh, well, you can never get anywhere because I mean, these people are already there, and look at them. It's all about personality, which a lot of it is about personality. Because why would you, like aside from auto tune, why would you listen to these people? But also, it tells you that if these people can can get this far and you know do such great things, anyone with with you know some talent could do that. Anyone who wants to have a go and follow a bit of a passion, could go out and make something amazing of themselves because there are a lot of very talented singers on The Masked Singer as well. Yes, I was surprised the other day. I know he can sing, but there was, I don't remember his name because we're not up on celebrities, but he was a British person and he wasn't a professional singer, I don't think. He was a comedian, um, but he could sing. But I thought he were his voice was so good. I thought he must be a stage singer, like doing theatre. Yes, there was one of those in the Australian season as well. Um, I think it was, I think it might have been season one, The Monster, and she made it through a very long way. I won't spoil it by saying where she made it to, but the whole time was something going. She's a professional singer. Like the way she sang was absolutely amazing. We sitting there going, okay, so which you know, famous singer is this going to be? She was a TV personality. She'd never done professional singing in her life. And she'd only gone on the show because her mum said, you've got a good voice. You should use it. You should go and sing. It's like, wow, just think how 
you know, you got this talent. And she just went, I was like, okay, I'll give it a go. And look how far she went. So you never know. Exactly. You've got got to give yourself a chance. The other thing I found very interesting was that once the singers were anonymous, once they were covered up and nobody could tell who they were, it gave a lot of them confidence. Yes. Because they weren't being judged on their appearance. They, They could actually assume another persona. They could be who other somebody different from what people think they are. They didn't have to live up to their own reputation. They didn't have to sing what people expected of them or act how people expected them to act. They could just be somebody. Yes. So we've been enjoying that, haven't we? We have. So some of these, um, what would you call them, Imogen? Would you call that a reality show? Yes, it's. I, I think it comes under the umbrella of reality show. Some of these reality shows are good fun. And they give us a lot to talk about, don't they? Yes. I don't think we've quite got to the level where we're going to appreciate The Bachelor just yet, but <laughs> we'll let you know if it ever happens. <laughs> oh, no, we're, we're resisting The Bachelor because that the ads come up from that, for that during MasterChef, but I think we'd have to be desperate to go and watch that. No, I, try, I, did, I did try a couple of episodes of The Bachelor once a while back, and the secondhand embarrassment was just so, so strong I couldn't go back. <laughs> I have never cringed so hard while watching a TV show ever. So I suppose these reality shows, it depends. You learn a lot and you've got lots to talk about, but it depends on the people that actually in in them. Some of them uh, have got a lot to teach us, haven't they? They do. And we prefer the the family-friendly ones that are following their dreams and are creative. Those sort of things are very inspiring. Yes. Well, Imogen, it's just over an hour. I don't think we've done too badly. I told you we didn't need another question when we were pl- <laughs> when we were planning this out. Have you enjoyed talking with me? I have. I very much have. I hope people have enjoyed listening so I can come back to the wardrobe. <laughs> well, um, thank you so much for giving up part of your uh, day off because you don't get a lot of time off work. And shall we meet again? Absolutely. I was thinking that maybe we could maybe every couple of weeks and have some questions that we might discuss that might spark some interesting conversation. I think that sounds like a lovely idea. So if anybody would like to stop by, give us some feedback, that would be very helpful, wouldn't it? We don't want to uh, bombard the airways with stuff that nobody wants to listen to. Yeah, so if you could leave a comment somewhere and tell tell her that you'd like me to come back and like us to do this again, I'd appreciate it. Okay. Now, where can we? Where can people find us, Imogen? Because if they're going to leave us a comment, because I don't get many comments, but maybe people will leave a comment, where will they find us? Well, you can find me on my website. Um, it's called Write, Rewrite, Read. You can find that at ImogenElvis.com or on Instagram under Write, Rewrite, Read or on Amazon with all three of my books under Imogen Elvis. You can, you can look me up there and hopefully look my books up. <laughs> and you can find my books also on Amazon, Curious Unschoolers and... Radical Unschool Love. Yes, I almost forgot. Plus The Angels of Abbey Creek and The Angels of Gumtree Road. And you better catch up on those because The Angels of Convict Way will be coming. <laughs> There's some uh, pressure there, isn't there? <laughs> And you can also find me on my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, YouTube under Sue Elvis. Not that I've made many videos recently. I've made a lot of videos, but not recently. But that reminds me, Imogen. Do you remember my Global Homeschooling Summit interview video? Yes, I remember that. 
think it was back in June. Well, that's just gone up on YouTube. If anybody didn't see that interview, it's now freely available to watch on YouTube and I'll put a link in the show notes. And there's one more place people can find me. Well, they can find me in the unschooling community as well. But also I'm back on Instagram. Oh, never say you'll never do anything ever again. I mean, I must love and hate Instagram in equal amounts because I deleted my account six months ago. I'm never coming back, I said. And now here she is. I'm back. I don't know why. Maybe it's my interest in photography. Maybe it's because a lot of people are on Instagram. That's where people are meeting, isn't it? And you feel a bit out of the loop if you're not there. So I hate Instagram in many ways, but I do love the people there. So I'm back on Instagram at Stories of an Unschooling Family. I haven't got many followers. You know, I had all these followers and my Jan and I, all 800 photos and all these followers. And I just pressed delete and they all disappeared. And now I'm sitting there by myself with a few followers and just a handful of photos. <laughs> a brand new beginning. It could be very exciting, couldn't it? Exactly. I won't regret it. I'm just looking at it as a new start. So if you'd like to join me on Instagram, please do. So I think that's everything. Nothing else to say? Do you know my, the way I end my episodes at the moment, Imogen? Is it different from when you used to do it before? I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember whether you joined me since I changed the ending. You don't know? Oh, you show me and I'll know you next time. Okay, so... I would like to thank everybody for listening to this episode, episode 179. And until next time, don't forget to live a radical life of unconditional love.